Hello, Bitcoiners. Happy New Year. Ansel Linder here, Bitcoin and Markets. Today is going to be a look ahead at 2020. Lots of stuff to cover. <laughs> Hope you guys like it. Let's go. Okay, so if you listened to my last episode, it was a recap of 2019. And now this is going to be a look ahead at 2020. Kind of a prediction type show here. What I see going forward in the future. All right, these predictions are, of course, mainly going to be about Bitcoin. But I also will, in the overtime section uh, that I'm going to be putting on Patreon, I'm going to be talking about macro stuff because... um, you know, Bitcoin was made for the next financial crisis, came out during the last financial crisis. It's about separating money from state and, you know, self-sovereignty and all these things. So um, uh, the next, the, the financial crisis is defined by the way the Fed has inflated the bubble, reinflated the bubble now, and it'll probably be collapsing here or there'll be some sort of crisis. So uh, I think Bitcoin was made for that. I've talked previously on the show about how I think the initial phases of a financial crisis will be negative for Bitcoin. Just because, you know, as people are fleeing for liquidity, uh, they don't think of Bitcoin right away, right? And then there are there are a lot of people maybe invested in Bitcoin where they don't see Bitcoin as being liquid enough or they need that capital, uh, so they might sell. Um, I, so I think the initial stages of a financial crisis could be negative for Bitcoin, but I mean, there's still a lot of demand. There's a lot of people out there that are stacking every week, you know, uh, that have um, the holders of last resort are in full force at this moment. I've also said that most of the retail is dead. So we would be looking at kind of institutions or something like that. And they, they don't move super quickly, right? They wait for quarterly or yearly readjustments. So um, there there could be some of that, but I do think the initial phases of a financial crisis could hurt Bitcoin, but that could not happen. I mean, it could just rise right through. Uh, Bitcoin is uncorrelated to everything. But anyway, enough blabbing about that. Gosh, that's not even the main part of this show. But I do want to thank my patrons over on Patreon. This is a people's podcast funded by the people over there on Patreon. So thank you guys for supporting the show. Uh, for $5 a month, you become a full member, pretty much full access for $5 a month. And then there's another level for the member newsletter. So look into that one. Anyway, thank you to the patrons. All right, let's get into a look ahead to 2020. Of course, when you talk about 2020, you have to start with the happening. This is going to be the biggest story for the first half of the year. Um, I've been to a halvening party before, and it was a big buildup. And then, of course, Bitcoin kept going. There was a new block every 10 minutes and nothing. I mean, it was more, almost more stuff happened during the Bcash fork when we were waiting to see, you know, if the next block was coming in or whatever. But with, with the halvening, it's just like clockwork, right? So it's a big celebration. You You can be happy that the inflation rate is being cut in half and all that, but it it should be a non-event at the time. But the stories will be flying fast and furious, of course. And like I said, throughout the first half of the year here, 
um, it should be pretty crazy. I think right now we're sitting at about 135 days until estimated until the halvening. Um, for those that are new to Bitcoin and you don't understand what I'm talking about, this is where every 210,000 blocks, about every four years, the uh, inflation rate of Bitcoin gets cut in half. And that continues over and over and over again until the inflation rate gets to zero. I mean, it gets near zero very quickly. I think uh, there's, what, three more halvenings until uh, it gets to under one Bitcoin a block. So that would be about 100 Bitcoins a day, roughly, that are minted. So the inflation rate gets very low relatively quickly, and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. That's why the big meme is 21 million coins. It's digital scarcity. Um, you know, they're not going to be making any more than 21 million. Um, if, if you want, if, if you think that all coins, you know, serve a substitute purpose, <laughs> wake up. There's only 21 million bitcoins and lots of people are going to want them. There's more than 21 million millionaires in the world, right? So, uh, not every millionaire can even own a full bitcoin at this stage. So that's going to be becoming more and more apparent. And I've said this in the past. I've been interviewed for some, for like Cointelegraph or Coindesk, whatever. Uh, they asked me about the significance of passing 17 million coins. I remember that. And the issue that I raised was that it just reminds people how close we are to 21 million. And this happening is just another reminder. Yes, it, it affects the stock to flow. It affects inflation and all of that. But it also, as a big kick in the ass, it just reminds people there's only 21 million and it becomes more and more real every time the, the reward cut, gets cut in half. So um, anyway, hope I explained that okay for the noobs. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be, I think, probably one of three major stories, major themes here in 2020 is going to be the happening. Along with that, we have hash rate. I think that hash rate, it just hit a new all-time high. I believe 114 exahashes, which is pretty crazy. I think it's going to be relatively sluggish. Um, I don't, you know, we're not going to have any sort of death spiral or anything. But um, as we move towards the halvening, um, I think the hash rate will be sluggish until price starts ticking upward. And I am in a bullish stance. So I think that, uh, we're going to be starting to break up instead of breaking down. The, the drops are going to be less significant. Um, that could help mining. Of course it will. Um, but I don't expect it to really take off until say we pass $10,000 again. And that could be a couple months from now. It could be all the way up to a few weeks before the happening or after the happening. Um, it just depends. Uh, I mean, imagine if, the halvening comes and uh, the price is not over 10000 That means that it would be like mining $5,000 Bitcoin today. And if we were mining $5,000 Bitcoin today, it, you can see how the, the hash rate wouldn't be exploding, right? So I think that uh, unless we pass uh, new swing highs here, then uh, I don't think that hash rate is going to be incredibly affected until after the happening, but I could be wrong again there too, of course. Okay, lightning, lightning, lightning. Lightning will continue to build and expand 
into exchanges. We saw it picked up by uh, Bifinex. It, I don't think Bifinex was the first exchange. Um, listeners can correct me and tell me which exchange was, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere where, the, you know, some smaller exchange uh, was accepting Lightning. But Bifinex is a major player out there, right? It's a old school player, um, very significant for them to adopt Lightning. So I think uh, this is a big deal and it should continue. I, what was it, like the first day they, they had, or the first four days, they had nine Bitcoins deposited and I'm sure it's picked up since then. So we're talking, you know, uh, pff, n- not a huge amount of volume, but we're talking 30 Bitcoins, maybe 50 Bitcoins now a week getting deposited. Maybe we're talking, um, 50 Bitcoins a week getting withdrawn on Lightning Network. And as this, builds out more people will have big balances on the lightning network more people will be using it more people will be comfortable with it because they will have more exchanges with more nodes that they connect to that have higher liquidity um it's it's just really good if you if you were going to pick like one kind of player out there that you would want to start seeding the lightning network it would be the exchanges because they are the liquidity pools right and uh, it's it's kind of interesting that the This was years ago. One of my predictions was uh, that these exchanges would get more of an ecosystem around them. So they might get with merchants, right? Just straight up merchants and they provide the liquidity for the merchants and and they uh, maybe have uh, just a small ecosystem built around them. Um, And I think that could be the case. We kind of see that with backed and their talk with Starbucks accepting Bitcoin with backed as kind of their back end. That was kind of what I was thinking more uh, along those lines. And Lightning kind of makes this come true in a way that they can, you know, they will be not hubs, but they will be very well connected nodes. Uh, and there's tons of exchanges. I don't know, hundreds of exchanges at this point. And all of these will be relatively large Lightning nodes. And they will all be connected to each other, connected to bigger businesses, um, things of that nature. So uh, it's kind of interesting what we're going to see here with the Lightning Network. But I do expect a lot of that to get uh, fleshed out in 2020. Now, I don't think it's going to be some overnight explosion. People are going to run to Lightning right away. Um, Of course, this is still a hodling asset or a hoarding asset. It's not a spending asset at this time. Um, but that will get more and more, uh, we'll, we'll probably see games come out like pretty popular games, uh, on Ethereum, you know, they're dApps that they've had. They aren't dApps, they're apps, just, they're not decentralized, but, um, we, we saw them, what, get around 10,000 daily active users. Uh, I think we could see a lightning app get that much traction, 10 to 20,000 daily active users, you know, just fun for people to get into it, maybe create some buzz and create like a first mover effect. I'm pretty sure there's games working on that right now. I'm just not all up on the exact games they're coming out for uh, integrated with Lightning. But that I do see that kind of getting bootstrapped this year as well. And all of this is just pushing more people onto the Lightning Network. Kind of my vision here is that Lightning people will never own on-chain Bitcoin, at least most people. There will be, you know, I mean, businesses will probably have to own on-chain Bitcoin and be settling 
uh, a lot of stuff on chain, but and and larger value transactions, of course, will happen on chain. But for most people, they will just have either a custodial or even a non-custodial Lightning wallet, and uh, maybe join some sort of channel factory or uh, something of that nature. I don't know. And they will they'll just get Lightning. That's it. They'll get Lightning bitcoins, and they'll never touch on-chain. Bitcoin, most people, I mean, even in the United States, which is a relatively wealthy country per capita, we're not like the highest by any means, but um, we're well, relatively wealthy. And there's something like 50% of people that can't meet a $400 expense. So these are people that don't save. We, nobody saves anymore. So if you don't have money to rub together, right, and two nickels to rub together, you're not going to be buying a lot of on-chain Bitcoin. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Now, there are there are people that, you know, they have sizable investment accounts or, or whatever, and I can see some of them buying on-chain Bitcoin and, and getting into Bitcoin that way. But uh, for most people, what they're going to do is their their first experience with Bitcoin is going to be lightning. Interesting. <laughs> okay, what else do I have for 2020 for lightning? Um, okay, so as Lightning expands and more marginal transactions go to Lightning, maybe we see the price towards the end of the year really spike and there's the fees increase slightly. There, there it will spark a discussion about, and that will push people to Lightning, and that will spark a discussion about uh, where we need fees to pay miners in the future. So like I said, the halvening is going to wake us up that, oh, we're close to 21 million. And then the lightning is going to be like a double whammy and say, oh, but we need fees to pay miners. Oh, crap. How is this going to work out? Right. And so that's going to be another layer to that discussion on the halvening and lightning is going to be how those two things kind of play off each other and the stories that get made between those two topics. Uh, I think it will be very interesting because you don't want all the transactions to go lightning. You want high dollar transactions, bigger transactions to be on on chain and pay a small fee. Right? <laughs> that makes sense to me that and there's going to be a dynamic. You don't want large multi-thousand dollar equivalent transactions like a quarter of a bitcoin. You don't want that going over the lightning network even if they build out liquidity on there at the ability to send those high of payments. You don't want that really happening at this point on Lightning Network. In the future, of course, that probably will happen. But uh, right now, no, it's, um, there's this gray area, this dynamic that will happen. Fees will increase, pushing marginal transactions to Lightning. Fees will decrease, pulling marginal transactions back to on-chain. And this will be a kind of a give and take. And it'll be a big discussion probably this year and next year to 20 and 21. I, I think we'll start hearing more about this. That's it for lightning. What else do I have here for Bitcoin specifically? I think the next, well, the first three months of the year here might be boring for price. We had a little dip here over the last 24 hours, but nothing crazy. You know, I mean... It dropped from 7,100 down to 6,900, and, and that's a sizable drop, but it's it's not getting anybody worried. It's not new lows or anything like that. We're still right in this channel that I've talked about for a long time. 
So um, I think we're, we'll see kind of a sideways boring time over the next uh, or the first three months of the year kind of building up into the happening. Okay, enough of that. Jeez, I'm just rambling here. Let's go into some other things. I expect maybe some ICOs to be coming out on Liquid. We have that the one from the Dubai Exchange, the exchange token that we'll be launching on Liquid, and I expect I expect more of similar things. These are going to be more legit type ICOs, and I, I did have a Patreon episode. So members, the $5 members, they get my Patreon stuff that I talk about. But um, ICOs on Liquid are not as bad. They you There is an argument to be made that they're still as ethically bad as regular ICOs, like say on Ethereum, uh, but I, I believe that they will be more honest, and so they're they're not bad. I think we'll see more on, on these on Liquid, but it's up to the community, it's up to Bitcoiners to hold feet to the fire. If there's shady stuff happening with ICOs on Liquid, you know, this needs to be talked about, and um, hopefully, like, there's there's a different mentality here right on ethereum there's some really shady shit going on like bancor ico or you know, name, name your ico that happened in 2016 2017 and no major quote-unquote ethereum influencer spoke up and said this is wrong this is a scam right here i mean maybe there were some sprinkled through there but no, it, when this happens on Bitcoin and Liquid, I'm sure there's going to be a big army of people saying, this is a scam, you know, uh, and whatever. But I, I do think that is a, a difference here. So, all right, so that's Liquid. Oh, there could be some layer two finance. It's not DeFi. It's just going to be layer two finance. And there's going to be a lending market. There's going to be other things like, you know, if if you lend your Bitcoins, they will perhaps use it for uh, layer two liquidity or something like this. And, and you can make a small return off that. Um, there, there's going to be all these schemes, I think, and they're going to get started here in 2020. Um, and, uh, you know, this DeFi stuff from Ethereum is just garbage, right? It's not even decentralized. It's a centralized finance. They're just, they're just uh, I mean, okay, so DeFi, they, they're trying to not replace, but replicate traditional finance in a decentralized way. But they've failed because it is centralized. On the maker system, the, they have um, a few holders, large account holders, that uh, can totally stop the system. They also have the oracles, and they've they've done a good job of like obfuscating the centralization of these oracles. But it, it all comes down to these, I think there are 16 um, human beings that that uh, provide these price feeds for the entire system. And uh, of course, then there's also another, I think there's a kill switch as well. So, oh, I mean, there's multiple ways that you could say this is, these are centralized finance. And so they're, they're, they're replicating centralized finance with, with just different shitty centralized finance. Um, Anyway, so this layer two finance, it will be centralized, most likely. Uh, I, I don't, there, there could be some stuff like RSK has that one, uh, money on chain project that is going to be replicating MakerDAO. But, um, uh, I think this will be pretty open that layer two finance, lightning finance, whatever we want to call it, liquid finance is going to be 
uh, centralized, at least to a degree. And they're not going to uh, be calling it DeFi. I guarantee you it'll be called like layer two finance or something. Anyways, so that's what I see. Oh, and I also see Coinbase collapsing this year. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's just a pipe dream. <laughs> All right. Enough with Bitcoin. Uh, I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about that. What you guys think. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter or on my Discord channel. I, I spent, or my Discord server. I spend more time now, I think total in Discord. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of struggling to stay off Twitter, but, uh, I'm trying to stay off Twitter, get some work done. And, uh, I'm having my Discord pulled up. So I'm, I'm in Discord much more. Um, let's move on to what do I got want next? Let's do altcoins. Altcoins. So <laughs> if you guys are long, long time listeners to the show, I'm constantly bashing on altcoins. I think they're all scams, not purposefully. Uh, for the new people that are just kind of getting into Bitcoin now, the reason why we call a lot of these things scams is because they're not ill-intentioned, but they won't work. <laughs> like, uh, if someone was selling you shares of their space elevator today, and they had these plans drawn out, and they were, they were, you know, saying that they were going, you know, they're going to be a space elevator to orbit, and they're just going to start shuffling things up there, and have no idea. There's like no real engineers on their team. They don't have like, uh, really any plans. They just have like a kindergarten sketch of something. And maybe they're well intentioned. They really think all they need is a few million dollars and that they can start building this space elevator. Well, it's a scam. You're going to lose your money, right? And it doesn't matter if their intentions, they're, you're going to lose the money. And so all of these things are scams because, uh, they, there's no comparative advantage. Bitcoin, okay, so these systems, uh, altcoins versus Bitcoin, they compete on monetary properties. Um, they depete, compete on their uh, monetary characteristics, right? And you probably, probably, hopefully have heard this uh, stuff in the past, like scarcity and durability and fungibility and portability and recognizability, and I'm missing one, um, divisibility, right? And there's some other kind of newer ones. Uh, securability, uh, things of that nature. Uh, that's what we're competing on here. Um, we're competing on these monetary characteristics and, and, and the incentive structures that these tokens, uh, can maintain. Maintain. Because if the price, say the price of Ethereum continues to fall or stays at $100 roughly for two more years, that means the market cap is relatively stagnant. The, the activity is relatively stagnant. People are, it's going to be hard to get new people excited and new capital to come in. And so eventually, you know, it might stay for two years, but then it'll just keep going down because nobody would want to hold Ethereum instead of holding Bitcoin while it's going to the moon on its next cycle. So this is all competitive. It's a around speculation for sure, but it's speculation based on performance, past performance and monetary characteristics. Bitcoin doesn't hard fork. That means its rules do not change. It does get upgraded in things in, in a process called a soft fork where, you know, picture like a Venn diagram. 
A hard fork is when you have overlap, but part of the new circle is outside of the old circle. So uh, the old nodes don't recognize the new rules because it's outside of their valid set. Well, a soft fork is a, a circle that's inside of that previous circle completely. And so old nodes still see all the activity on the network as valid and nobody gets kicked off or, or broken. It doesn't break anybody's node. So those are what's called soft forks. And you can be very confident in the monetary properties of that coin where Ethereum or other coins that hard fork all the time, you cannot be confident on the monetary properties. I mean, just ask any Ethereum person what their inflation rate will be in two years. They can't tell you that. I mean, let alone in a hundred years, right? What's the, what's the cap? What's the supply cap for Ethereum? Um, they, they have no idea. They have no idea. And, and all that's their, all these altcoins, their entire futures look like one hard fork after another because they're trying to compete on features. See, that's the difference. Bitcoin is competing on monetary characteristics, hard fricking money, scarcity, demand, primal demand to own a Bitcoin, right? That is what Bitcoin is competing on, uh, where these altcoins, they are working on the edges with uh, some features. Oh, I have uh, 14 transactions per second. Oh, I have five, 500,000 transactions. Per Nobody cares because, well, lightning is infinite. Lightning, you can do, I think it's about two, I think it's 250 or maybe it was 500 transactions per second per channel, per channel, right? And so if you uh, have a web of uh, millions of channels, right, you're, you're talking just unlimited scarcity and or unlimited uh, transactions per second. So it doesn't really matter. Um, that stuff is just feature bull crap. We're talking about hardcore money stuff here. Scarcity. Give me some scarcity, baby. That's what these altcoins don't understand. Anything they can do, we can build a, a slightly more centralized version. All altcoins are centralized anyway because they have to do hard forks and things like that, which centralize around a group of people. But Bitcoin can be build more honest versions that are slightly more centralized on layer two in a permissionless way and it uses the same token so yes there's no like speculative fervor that will go on say on layer two with uh that uses bitcoin but that's not <laughs> what we're dealing with here i mean there's only a certain small segment of the population so far i would say maybe one to five percent of people that are uh willing to gamble on something like these altcoins and they will get wrecked Anyway, that, uh, this is turning into a long rant, but, uh, okay. So all coins, what do I see going forward this year in 2020? Uh, I see that Bitcoin dominance will hit 85. That's not a big thing. Um, because dominance is BS. So Bitcoin is the only one really competing to be hard money and sound money. Um, but it's big in the eyes of investors, right? It's big in the eyes of the new people. If they see Bitcoin continuing to advance and the other side of the, the ecosystem continuing to shrink or 
become uh, less relevant. I mean, even if they go up, Bitcoin goes up, say, 2x and the other side goes up 1.5x, um, it's less relevant. And they've already had time to actually deliver products or deliver on their their these uh, outlandish claims that they've had over the last few years, and they haven't done it yet. So it's going to be less and less important for people. Um, people aren't going to pay attention. So Bitcoin's uh, dominance, I, I'm going to call it, and I'm going to say 85%. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I hope it's more, but um, uh, you could have some stragglers there. I mean, Ripple, so centralized, they might never go down. But anyway, um, okay. <laughs> oh, speaking of Ripple, I think that Ethereum will start looking more and more like Ripple. So Ripple has this... Um, xrp army and it's just a bunch of not bots well maybe there's some bots but maybe paid accounts or, or some sort of marketing and, and they are very tenacious but uh always about xrp 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 and they're driven around announcements so like oh we are working with this bank oh we're we're doing a pilot program with this company <laughs> we acquired moneygram blah 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 so they're they're centered around these announcements to pump their their token because there's there's no real demand there. They need they need to have a centralized marketing department. Um well Ethereum's the same damn way. And it's gonna get more and more obvious that Ethereum is just a scam coin like Ripple. It's already getting to be that way. Like it's you it's like talking to an NPC, except it's an ETH NPC, where you say something to them. And it's just the same damn thing, right? Like you'll say, um, Bitcoin is hard money. And they say, Ethereum is hard money too. Uh, Bitcoin is uh, ruled by consensus rules, not by social consensus. Oh no, all coins are ruled by social consensus, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they just have these programmed responses that don't, they don't cut mustard, right? Um, anyway, we'll, we'll start to see, make this comparison between Ethereum and ripple more and more uh, over the coming year. <laughs> and my last point here, for most of the year, no one's going to care about altcoins. It, they're, like I said just a minute ago, they're going to become less significant. Um, the, big, the big daddy is coming. And that's where we're going next. The new competition for Bitcoin is coming next. All right. So what is the, so what am I talking about? What's this next big thing? Um, the new competition for Bitcoin. It's not going to be the altcoins or the ICO. So what is it going to be? Well, it's going to be the central bank digital currencies, the CBDCs. We have China going to be launching their digital currency in the first part of the year, I believe sometime. And that's going to be interesting. We have Turkey just launched a gold-backed coin that they're doing as a state-run gold-backed coin. So that's that's pretty interesting to me. Of course, we had the Petro, I think that's what it was called, out of Venezuela. And we've heard things about um, handing out or printing more Petros and handing them out to people. So that's still going on. Uh, we hear a lot of stuff out of Europe, you know, some like the IMF and others are saying Europe needs to have a look into this central bank digital currencies. And even uh, as high up as uh, Christine Lagarde, who is now the head of the ECB, she was saying that, you know, they need to look into doing central bank digital currencies. 
it's all about stable coins. These are all going to be stable coins pegged to the national currency. It wouldn't really make sense for any of them to come out with, uh, uh, something that's not pegged to the currency. Well, they have that gold one there in Turkey. And, and some people were speculating about the China one. A lot of gold bugs were like, oh yeah, this China one is going to be pegged to gold or backed by gold. That didn't happen. But other than that, I mean, we're talking either a national currency or gold in maybe some of the smaller countries. Don't know really if I expect many to do something like that. We could see something like maybe out of, say... South Korea, or uh, we could see uh, something out of India, especially like Goldback one out of India, um, maybe something out of Singapore. Uh, there, there could be a ton of these coming out. And of course, Libra, don't forget about Libra. One thought I had on the Libra thing was, wouldn't it be interesting if instead of cash, like actual, like physical currency or, or regular currency, um, that Libra backed their stable coin with these digital, these digital stable coins. That, now that is kind of an interesting idea. I had to get more into this, but the, uh, so the, the central bank digital currencies, first off, the digital currency is the proper term because they're not a cryptocurrency. Uh, I guess technically there might have some cryptography used in there, but there's no proof of work. It's nothing like Bitcoin. It's not secure. Uh, you know, crypto says that things are secure because of cryptography, uh, but these won't be secure. These will be centrally run. They'll all be centralized. Issuance will be completely managed, opaque. You won't be able to see anything that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, there will be gatekeepers. There will be freezing your funds. There will be all sorts of things. And so it's not good. It's not a good uh, investment for people. I think they will be, be hard-pressed to get people to adopt these things. Uh, Libra, maybe not so much because it's kind of intranational, right? And so they can go in and out of their national currency or something. And that's that has some interest to it. Um, the reason why Tether is so popular and it's in the grand scheme of things, it's only a $4 billion market cap. So it's not like a huge deal, but it's a huge deal for, for this space. They're popular because of the arbitrage opportunities. You know, it's really hard to send dollars quickly between exchanges, but it's really easy to send Tether between exchanges. And so, and there, there could be some tax implications in there. Like if you go between cryptos in certain countries, they might have different tax regulations versus going back into the national currency, right? So if you stay in Tether or you stay in a stable coin of some sort, then you won't have a taxable event. And I mean, there's all sorts of other factors that go into why Tether is popular, but that's because it's also like it's skirt, it's skirting regulation in a way. And why I've been such a big proponent of Tether for the last God, three years is because I see them as kind of bucking the system a little bit. And Bifinex has been a good actor. Uh, Bifinex doesn't own Tether, but the same parent company owns both of them. So they pretty much were the same company until a little while later and they spun off. But anyways, Tether fits this unregulated need and you're never going to be able to use a digital yuan for this unregulated arbitrage between global exchanges. This ain't going to happen. 
you know? And so uh, there's not really going to be any good reason to use this. I mean, they already have very good payment infrastructure for their original digital currency, which is just any sort of fiat out there. I mean, um, not very many dollars are physical, not very many euros are physical, uh, yuan, etc. Everything is digital already. And so um, their first original <laughs> digital currency it fits the bill here. And they don't really need to go this blockchain route, uh, this uh, these central bank digital currencies. That's it, man. That That is the big thing. I think we're going to see more and more of those. Uh, this could be the, probably the biggest story. I think the halvening, the central bank digital currency, also a financial, uh, some, you know, like a melt up or melt down uh, financially, maybe a, a recession, a global recession starts this year. Um, but those are the big, big stories. What I see for 2020. That's all I have for the CB, the CBDCs. That's all I have for them. Uh, let's go on to the dollar. If you're not a member, go on over to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets, just spelled out like that, and become a member. And that way you can uh, get access to this second part. I'm going to talk about dollar and China. Okay? Dollar and China. <laughs> and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. <laughs>